Welcome to another episode of Teachers Are People Too. Before we begin, I'd like to tell everyone about a website that my former students created. It's called Virtrolio. It's a virtual folio, if you will. An online version of those last few pages in the yearbook that you can use to write and receive personal messages to your friends. Attach pictures. And it's all for free. Just log in with your uh, Google account. I think it's a great little website because with social media posts, it will just kind of disappear after a while. It goes down your timeline. But with Virtualio, you can keep those memories all in one place for many years afterwards, which is the reason why people get your books in the first place. So that's Virtualio, V-I-R-T-R-O-L-I-O dot web dot app. I'll link it in the description. And uh, it's always cool to see your former students becoming adults and uh, doing really cool things. So I applaud them for taking the initiative. Speaking of former students, today's guest is a former student of the high school I used to teach at, but I actually never got a chance to teach her in class. Our connection was made when I helped lead a trip for her Duke of Edinburgh Awards and then saw her again on social media after she became a teacher. So I'm actually hoping to have a few more former students on as well. Uh, meanwhile, I'm still working on Black Pod Fridays and also start recording other uh, episodes, the Path of Teaching podcast as well. So without further ado, my conversation with April. Okay, folks, here we go again. Another COVID-19 check-in. Today, my guest is very special. She's a, a math and science teacher. She is working at international schools. And she was an avid camper in grade 10. That's what I, I know, how I know her. This is uh, Miss April So. How are you doing, Miss So? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yes, this is very exciting for me. Uh, also, is making me feel very old. <laughs> so tell us about uh, your teaching situation. So you don't teach in a public or private board or anything like that, right? That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, after I graduated from teacher's college, I so I went to... Teachers College at Queen's University. I did the concurrent education program, which at the time was five years. And it seemed like I'd been graduating with a cohort full of super capable, super enthusiastic teachers. And every one of them seemed to have a job, you know, by February. And so graduation came and went and I still didn't have a job and I was really panicking. I'd always wanted to go overseas, but I never imagined that that would be the start of my journey. I always figured, hey, maybe I'll get some experience here at home in Canada before I kind of go out. And I was just on LinkedIn one day when I got a notice from a friend who also was at Queens with me. We were both resident Dons together. And he said, hey, I'm working in Kazakhstan and there's a math position open. Would you be interested? And I, I, I had a talk with him on Skype, and he told me about what it was like living and working in Kazakhstan, 
Um, it seemed pretty safe. I didn't really know anything about the country. I didn't even watch Borat. So really had zero idea of what everything would be like. But after the conversation with him, it seemed like he was having a really good time and he was learning lots and I was desperate for a job and I wanted to go overseas. It didn't really matter where I went. So that's where I started. And then the next year I went to Korea, worked in Seoul for a year. Um, some stuff happened. I ended up getting kicked out of the country along with a bunch of other teachers. And now I'm in China in Suzhou teaching at an international school there. So finishing up my third year in China. That was a lot. Let, let's debrief. <laughs> okay. So first of all, I guess uh, Kazakhstan is not Borat, right? Like that is just definitely not. <laughs> I feel bad for the people of Kazakhstan that that's the only thing that represents them. Um, yeah. And then you were kicked out of a country. Yeah, I mean that's not the technical term that they use, but <laughs> it, it really felt like I was unwelcome. Like, is it, was it, it must have been some sort of visa issue then, right? That's right. Yeah, it was kind uh, of a okay. blur looking back at what happened because it was so sudden. They were, I think, at the time a different president was coming in, and they wanted to really increase that nationalist sentiment in the country. And so they were revisiting all the, the foreigners' visas. And as a teacher, officially, to be at an international school by Korean standards, you have to have, I can't remember what visa it is, but we had an E2 visa. So technically, by Korean law, the school I was working at, even though it had the, the word international in it, it wasn't technically an international school by Korean standards. It, it was called a hagwon, kind of an academy or an after-school type program. Um, and so we were there under the wrong visa, but none of us really knew because when we applied for our jobs, we just trusted the employer uh, who sponsors us and who is in charge of applying for our visas to, to do the work on their end. So it, it came as a shock when that happened. Wow. That's, that must have been quite uh, an adventure or a nightmare, depending on how you look at it. I guess once it's over as an adventure, I, while you're going through it, it must have been uh, quite scary. That's right. Yeah, it was. And then you're saying now, you're are you actually physically in China or you're teaching for a school in China? How's this working out for you? Oh, yes. Uh, so right now I am in Mississauga, Ontario, teaching from home. I came back in mid-February after the Chinese New Year holiday when I found out that school wouldn't be open. So it's not open now? No. It, so the school, the, the physical school in China isn't open and you were given the option to go back home and teach from home? Oh, wait, sorry. So the school was closed for many months. It actually just opened up, I, I think, three weeks ago, but I've still been teaching from home. And it's kind of a mess right now. We're, we're doing a blended face-to-face -face slash online model and it's been a lot of figuring it out as we go along so there's been so many changes to the way we teach and the way we've been approaching assessment and all that so yeah no it has been open for two weeks so can you tell me more how it works this blended so i guess you have like a partner teaching face-to-face -to -face um, in china like how does this work yeah so i mean i guess they call it a blended but really the majority of it is still online students our school is a boarding school, so students can choose to go back, and a lot of students 
a, quite a few students did. I wouldn't say a lot. Mostly in grade 10, the grade 12s all chose to stay home. So they have a choice of whether or not they want to go back to school. And for the students who chose to go back to school, basically they have classes in the morning. So it goes from 8 till about 11.30 every day. And the blocks are split up. So we have block A and block B, let's say on Mondays, and then the next day would be block C and block D. And each class is 90 minutes long. For the class, they log in online and they have class through Zoom or whatever live platform the teacher chooses to host their lesson. And then for the few teachers that are are in China and can host a live class, they will do it with the students in class, but then record their material for students who are at home to access later. Ah, uh, I gotcha. So it's pretty much synchronous learning then. If they yes. don't log in, they miss it? How does that work? Um, yeah, I mean, my all, all my classes are recorded, so students have the access the option of accessing the recording later. And some teachers choose to mostly do their, their lessons through asynchronous learning. And, uh, but now there's a new policy that rolled out as soon as this whole return to school thing happened that we have to have live uh, synchronous classes with our students. So that's what we've been doing for the last two weeks or so. Wow. Wow. Do you... Have any idea why the the switch the the mandatory synchronous? Because that's a big issue now in Ontario as well recently. Yeah, I know, and I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it because there are so many issues going on with that. But it was a lot of pressure from the parents because we are a private school, and you know we're collecting money for students' tuitions, and and there's been a lot of pressure to be like, why aren't the teachers working? You know, why why is my kid? just watching videos online, not realizing that we have to put effort behind recording those lessons and and putting that together for the students. And I think they just value their students having more routine and, and waking up at a certain time and knowing that they're logging in and actually doing the work. Yeah, it's a little bit of the old school mentality, the factory mentality, right? You got to clock in, clock out at a certain time. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I get it from a parent's perspective, but I don't think it's necessarily better or worse. Really, I don't know if it's any worse, especially since you said, like you said, you were uh, you're recording it anyway. So look, that was my concern, right? Like if you don't log in, you miss it. Then it's not fair for those students who miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see it from students that are currently in university as well, right? I, I see their frustrations about purely online learning. Imagine being a grade twelve student now having to choose a university to go to knowing that the campuses are closed in September and you're going to be watching videos as a lesson, right? You remember what first year is like. It's oh, just yeah. hundreds of hundreds of students, like a thousand students sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. It depends on the course and you know, you're missing out on the campus life and you know, is it worth paying $8,000 to sit exactly. in front of the screen for a semester? Uh, this is, you know, tough for everybody. A lot of different choices that needs to be made. I agree. So I follow you uh, on Instagram and social media. You have very, uh, I'm very happy to see that you have very uh, varied uh, pedagogy and different ways to uh, engage your learners. So what's the one thing that you found that's most important during distance learning to you? What's the tool that you're using the most? Oh, man. 
one thing that's most important? That's tough. There's so many things that I'm always trying to keep in mind. Like in many ways, I mean, I'm only in my fifth year of teaching, so I still have that new teacher mentality and I still feel like a rookie in any many ways. So I don't know if I'm qualified to offer, you know, advice, um, but just connecting with the kids is, has been the biggest thing. When I first started online teaching, I, I, I panicked. Like I, I think I just lost all the pedagogy that I had accumulated from teacher's college and reading the books. I just I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm like starting fresh here. And, and I felt pressured to have to cover all this content and curriculum. And, and then I just kind of forgot about the human element for a while. So it, it took some time to get into that routine and, and just check in with the kids and make sure that it's not always just about covering the material. I, I make sure I take that time, you know, ask about their weekends, ask about what's going on in their lives, because, you know, some kids are taking care of sick grandparents and, and things were scary for a really long time in China too, but now things seem to be opening up and, and the students, I can tell, are really bored of being stuck at home. <laughs> so yeah, just being able to check in with the students, I think, to answer your question. Yeah, I have a, a couple of stories about that too, but just to, I would say we're not stuck at home, we're safe at home. Let's try to remember that. That's right. Uh, okay. Yeah, let's put a positive spin on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember one time I was uh, grading some some uh, work that was done. It's like a, I think it was lab data analysis. And uh, the student who, who was working on it or who submitted it happened to be working on it at the same time as I was looking at it. And then he started typing into the, the Google Sheets. <laughs> This fall of a question, and it's just like in a cell, and then like we started having like this old school, like this is before your time, like this is old school MIRC chat room, just text based, <laughs> no emojis, right, nothing. Yeah. And we just went back and forth uh, answering, and then I just had the idea, of, okay, so maybe we should do that. And and I tried that a couple of times, like uh, as a live chat. I just oh. opened a Google Doc. I just opened a Google Doc at a certain time. And then students type in their names and, and and ask questions, and we go back and forth a little bit. Um, so we, I did that for for a few weeks, and then I guess the students got tired of it because then they stopped joining. <laughs> <laughs> if I want to put a positive spin on it, I would say that perhaps I am answering their questions in a timely manner, yeah, and that they don't actually have a lot of questions, so they don't need find the need to log on to ask me questions because none of my stuff is synchronous mm. right uh, all my stuff is just in fact um, it's kind of like choose your own adventure almost right um, you just work through one task and then I'll give you another one but if you don't work through the task I'm not giving you the next one uh, some students got uh, frustrated with me sir how come uh, my friends uh, uh, got all this uh, other work I won't, I'm, I won't, I'm only getting this work I'm like well you got to finish it first before I give you the next one how are you tracking yeah. that? Are you using Google Classroom? Yeah, I'm using Google Classroom and Google Sheets to to track it. It's a lot of extra work for me. Yeah. Because it's just much easier just to dump the week's work. Here we go, and I'll check on Friday. Mm -hmm. um, but I believe in scaffolding, like a constructivist kind of uh, way to uh, build learning and concepts. So, like, what's the point of of you know showing you multiplication 
yeah. if you haven't done the addition yet. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. like that kind of idea. So though, uh, you got to show me you've mastered this, you know, like um, kinematics before we can talk about forces or, or whatever have you, right? Whatever the concepts are. Right. And I you're like absolutely that. right. Oh, thank you. Um, you're absolutely right about um, the covering of the curriculum, right? I think for all teachers, the idea is, yes, is important, the curriculum, but it's not that important. There, you know, there's always an overarching culture or uh, ideas that you want to convey, right? Like, I don't care if my students remember the big five kinematics equations when they're 40. Right. Who cares, right? <laughs> but I, right? But I do care that they can figure out, you know, to, let's say, when they're driving, to not leave too much space, or sorry, to not follow too close when right. they're driving, right? Yeah. Because they remember that the acceleration takes time or the slowing down takes time. And if they don't, they can hit the car in front of them and or, or to check their rear view mirror to make sure that the car behind them isn't falling too closely and so on. So those are like the life things that we, we want them to have. So right now, just teach the most important things. And you're right, five years in, I remember I don't think I felt like comfortable until I was seven or eight years in. Yeah. And this distance learning, the whole world, like you think about this, every teacher in the world that has to do this distance learning that hasn't done it before, and I would say probably 99%, right? Right. We're all first-year teachers together. So you and I are literally at the same starting line. As soon as distance learning started, you and I are no different in terms of experience. <laughs> My experience means squat, like it means nothing. And so you just do your best, what you think is best based on, you know, your learning and and, and what your ideals and values are. And, uh, and I think uh, you're on your way. Like that's, you know, we're only doing our best. That's the best we can do, right? Literally. Mm -hmm. I really miss being in the classroom and being able to see my students and interact with them in a live way, <laughs> not just online. Yeah, I've, I've said it every time, even looking at the talking head on a screen, our biological brain interprets that as something that's not real. Yeah. And it doesn't fulfill us emotionally or spiritually. Definitely. Um, so I hope parents understand that, that you know we're doing our best and I don't think we're being lazy at all. If anything, we're working way more than before. Yeah, I know. I, I do feel like I'm constantly working. There's always something to do. So what are your plans now? Like, is, do you, is your contract going to be over? How does this work for like June and next September and whatnot? Oh, yes, that is a big question mark. So actually, I got hired for another school in Shanghai. I, I currently work at a school that's located in Suzhou. So they're pretty close to each other. It's about 45 minutes away to my new school. Um, but the problem is I am in Canada now, home safe, and I can't get back into China until they decide to open their borders to foreigners. And uh, my visa expires, I think, at the end of June. And then my residence permit is, a, is valid until end of August. So if I can't get back before that expiry date, I'm going to have to reapply for a new visa and then the next big question mark is, you know, at this new school, how is it going to work with all these new hires who are overseas that also can't get into the country? Are they going to still open school? Are we going to have to teach online? Is there going to be some sort of blended model? I really don't know. Well, 
have you looked into applying for schools here in Ontario? We love some new blood. I always love some new blood. <laughs> I have not. Not yet. No, I huh? think I really enjoy teaching overseas. So I'd be happy to, okay. to continue that for a few more years. Yeah, to, to each their own, for sure. Um, yeah, I wonder maybe you, there's a model in which you are teaching, like doing what you're doing basically right now, right? Yeah. Teaching remotely from another country to kids in another country, I guess. <laughs> right. That's first world problems a little bit, right? <laughs> it's true, yes. My, my dad thinks I have a very posh job because he has to go into work every day. He works in the restaurant industry. Yes, absolutely. All service industries and all everybody that has to go into work right now, right? Versus yeah. people that have the privilege to work at home. There's the juxtaposition of you know what is actually essential, isn't it? Exactly. I, I do feel very lucky and very grateful that I still have work. Oh, yes, absolutely, for sure. I think most people are, are understanding that. Most of my friends who are working from home tell me the same thing. And in some ways, they think they're being more efficient. Mm. You know, they're they're probably, they feel like they're getting more work done in, in a less amount of time. Because as one friend told me, well, there's not as much distractions of the chit chat and, and, and going in and going to the, the, the lunchroom to, to chat with people. And then, you you know, people going for a break or somebody coming to interrupting your work. And right. I think there's some truth to that. Yeah, yeah there's some truth. Like, maybe th- it's different for teaching, right? But like uh, <laughs> your stereotypical office job, I could see that. And just to drive, right, for a lot of people too, right? The commute. Yeah, that's true. Okay, April, thank you so much for uh, joining us and teaching me so much about your situation. I learned a lot about something that I'm very unfamiliar with in terms of teaching in international schools overseas. So I appreciate all the information. It's been great being on this podcast. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, We got to get together at some point and uh, have a longer conversation. I would love that. Okay, see you soon.